Hi there, welcome to the Matthias Barker podcast. My name is Matthias. I'm a psychotherapist from Spokane, Washington, and this is a podcast about mental health and moving towards what's meaningful despite hardship. If you don't know, I wanted to give you the word that the Relational Anxiety Workshop just went live on my site. And so I've been talking about that on social media. It's a workshop really about what to do with that anticipatory anxiety that we feel when we're in conflict with somebody and we need to have a confrontation. We need to have a conversation about something, either a conflict or a misunderstanding or you know a place where you kind of perceive them crossing your boundaries in some way. Um, you just want to share something meaningful with someone, but you anticipate that they might have a negative reaction. What do you do with that anxiety that wells up in your chest? And that's kind of what the whole workshop's about. It's how to both go through conflict um, in a way that's efficacious, that's going to lead to good outcomes, but also what to do with that anticipatory anxiety. So make sure to check that out, MatthiasJBarker.com. Um, super excited about that workshop. Today, we're talking about becoming a psychotherapist, which is a pretty... I don't know, pretty niche topic. Like I didn't necessarily make this for like my broader audience, but I made this for the all the people who've been messaging me, either who are students or people that are looking at college or school and trying to kind of chart out their career path, their educational path. Um, I don't know, and they, they want to know what I did. They just kind of wanted to know what school I went to or what career path I took, why did I take that path, and then also people who had curiosity around making videos on the internet about psychology or about kind of just in the helping field. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you're just someone who wants to share their philosophies on life. I offer some thoughts around that as well. So I hope that this episode is interesting for those of you who feel like that's really kind of up your alley. So enjoy. Let's talk about counseling psychology. Let's talk about getting a career in counseling psychology. I, I get a lot of messages from people that say, I want to do what you're doing. Like what you are doing looks so meaningful and, and like it's really helping people and I really want to do that. So how do I do that? And that's what this video is about. Um, a quick note though, I feel like counseling psychology is looked at as kind of like the apex of like a meaningful job. Like you're helping people through suffering. It's so proximal. It's so like directly about human suffering that that people find that it's like the most meaningful job, but I don't agree. I don't think it's the most meaningful job. I think a job is meaningful not because of how directly you're talking about pain or, or helping people with psychological issues. I think it's about how you go about whatever is in front of you that makes things meaningful. Like I think being a hairdresser, being a plumber, being a architect, video game designer, a mechanic can be just as meaningful because meaning in your job isn't necessarily constrained to the what you're doing. It's, it's about how you're doing it. It's like, are you making people's lives better? Are you helping people? Are you diligent? Are you um, integral with what you're doing? Do you feel like you're making the world a better place? And I think that's what makes jobs meaningful. So as we're talking about this, it's great if you want to pursue a career in counseling psychology. I love it. Like, but don't feel guilty like, oh, my job is lame and unimportant in that job. That's where the good stuff is because I don't think that's a fair dichotomy. So counseling psychology, I'll tell you a little bit about what I do because so when people say, Matthias, I want to do what you're doing, I, I think I have two big things that I'm up to. I'm, I'm doing counseling psychology, so I'm a licensed clinical mental health therapist associate. And what that means is that I graduated in February and I'm working towards my 3,000 supervised hours in order to get my full license and kind of be off on my own without any supervision from a psychologist or anything. So what that means is that I have a psychologist that's looking over my case notes. I'm having conversations with her a lot. She's not like in session with me or like observing me, but, but she's just kind of in my head and like making sure that I'm being the best therapist I can be and answering any questions I have along the way. So after I see 
someone for counseling 3,000 times for an hour, then I'm off on my own. And so I'm working towards that right now. That means that I completed an undergraduate degree, a master's degree, and then I'm currently working on that 3,000 hours. And after that, then I'm like full on, on my own, mental health counselor, psychotherapist. Um, those are interchangeable, by the way. I think in some countries, psychotherapist means you have a doctorate degree. I don't have a doctorate degree, so I'm not prescribing medication. Um, I'm diagnosing people with mental health disorders. So um, I am like a health professional, but I'm not diagnosing um, medications. So that's good to know. So if you want to do what I'm doing, you're going to need a master's degree. That's probably part of it. Um, you could also do what I'm doing with a doctorate degree, of course. Uh, those are kind of two different trajectories as far as your education. So what I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about what it looks like to pursue an education in counseling psychology. But later on too, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to make content kind of around psychology, like online, because a lot of people have found these videos really meaningful and they want to do something similar. They want to make videos about wellness and mental health and philosophy and life. And, and I have a few thoughts on that too. That might be helpful. Uh, so if that's kind of what you're here for, you can skip ahead a little bit. And uh, I'm going to talk about like pursuing a career and pursuing the educational path for counseling for just a moment. Um, so if you want to go to school for counseling psychology, you're going to need a four-year degree. And my recommendation for that is to get it in something you're interested in that's kind of like adjacent to psychology, but that isn't directly like a psychology you know, degree. And the reason for that is because you want to be interesting. Like you want to have ideas to play with in your master's program that you can kind of like combine and synthesize and play with. So it would be really advantageous to do a degree in like philosophy or biology or, you know, something that you're interested in that then when you're in your master's degree, when you're writing your thesis, when you're writing your papers, you have expertise in something kind of adjacent that you can play with and combine. And I just think that makes for a more um, interesting professional. I think you'll enjoy your education more if you have a bit more variety. The exception to that would be if you're pursuing um, an undergraduate program that then kind of leapfrogs into a master's, as in you're fulfilling different requirements for your master's degree within your undergraduate degree to expedite the process. So there are certain degrees out there that you can go to school for five years total or six years total and, uh, and then get your undergraduate and your master's within that same program. Um, versus going to school for four years and then going to a master's program for another three. So that's good to know. Also, um, the same thing kind of happens with a doctorate program. So if you want a PhD, if you want to be a psychologist or a PsyD, which is another version of psychologist, then um, you do your undergraduate program, but then you move into a PsyD or a PhD program. And during that program, you get your master's degree and your doctorate degree. So they, they kind of combine it in that. So you don't necessarily, if, if you're just looking at different educational paths, the least efficient way to do it would be to do a four-year undergrad, <laughs> undergrad, uh, to do a three-year master's, and then to do like a five-year PhD. That, that's the equation for the most years spent in school. Um, there's more efficient ways to go about it. But anyway, um, I'll start by talking about master's degrees, then I'll move into PhD potentials. Uh, so master's degrees, there's just kind of three big ones that you can get at least you know, in my country and in my state, when, when we're looking at licensed counselors around my area, there's three main degrees. There's clinical mental health counseling, there's licensed um, marriage and family counselors, and then there's social workers. And so all three of those degree paths can get you in an office where you're talking to people one-on-one -on -one about mental health stuff and helping them on their goals and aspirations and all that. Uh, each program has different emphases. So a social work degree, most counselors that I know that got social work degrees, um, if they were to go back and do it again, they would do it differently. They're not super satisfied because while you learn about a lot about psychology and systems and and how to be an advocate within a society, you don't necessarily get a lot of tangible like counseling psychology tools. You don't get a lot of practical intervention training. Um, so that 
is maybe at the bottom of the list in my camp. Um, marriage and family is great because it, it teaches you a lot about couples work. If you want to work with kids, like that's the specification. Uh, clinical mental health counseling though focuses a lot more on psychopathology and like what's going on in the brain, the biology, the neurology. It gives you more expertise in maybe the um, biological side of things. So that's the one I chose because that was just the expertise I felt like I didn't have and that I could really glean a lot from the program that I went to. Now I ended up going to Northwest University. I did an online program. I feel like with my particular learning style, I should have done an in-person program. I think I would have been more satisfied with that. Plus the online program at Northwest was kind of just getting started. So I think I was kind of like part of like a guinea pig um, <laughs> trial as they were, you know, ironing out the wrinkles. And so a lot of things fell through the cracks. I left pretty dissatisfied. I, I enjoyed several of the professors I worked with, but I felt um, if I were to do over again, I probably would have done a different program. So I wouldn't really recommend, although I'm not trying to bash them. I think they'll iron it out and they'll figure it out, but um, I didn't have a very good experience. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna do PhD work. I might. So the difference real quick uh, between a PhD and a PsyD is a PsyD is kind of all about counseling psychology and being in the room with people and increasing your competence around like clinical work and focusing on one-on-one -on -one or uh, working with couples or what have you versus a PhD, which is about research and kind of expanding the understanding and the knowledge base of psychology and maybe bringing something fresh or new to the table. Like you have a hypothesis, you have a thesis, you want to understand it better. So you bring something specialized to the table. So they're kind of just different activities, getting a PsyD or getting a PhD. So it just depends on what you want. PsyD is viewed as a little bit less uh, credible in the field. Like PhDs is kind of the harder degree. PsyD is the easier degree. People with PsyDs won't say that. They, they don't think that one's lower than the other. And it's kind of just like a playground, I don't know, like hierarchy thing that, I don't know, might be a bit immature, but whatever. I don't think there's a huge difference between them. I think it's just depending on what you want to do. Uh, they're both psychologists. They're both getting paid pretty similar, so I think they're, you know, as far as status-wise, they're about the same, in my mind at least. So a PsyD program, a PhD program, that you're looking at about five years more of school. So again, that's something that you would do in lieu of a master's program because you would earn your master's along the way. And so, uh, like I was saying, I don't know if I'll do one. I'm pretty content with my master's. I don't feel like going to school again for five years. If I were, I'd want to do it with someone that I really want to learn from. There would have to be a question or a topic that I really want to expand my knowledge on. So that would be the PhD program that I'd be interested in if I were ever to do it. So maybe, uh, maybe later. It, like the dream would be to go study under like Jonathan Haidt at NYU or uh, Steve Hayes in Reno or to study RFT in Belgium or Oxford or something, but I don't have an IQ of 150 and I, uh, I did an online program for my master's. So that's not going to happen. And there's not, there's not a space on the, um, PhD candidate application for your TikTok followers. Uh, that doesn't hold the same cred. Um, I got good grades, but it's probably not in the cards for me. I'm pretty content with where I'm at and I like the work that I'm doing. So PhD programs are good though. So you're looking at a lot of school, which means a lot of debt. So you got to be kind of strategic about which schools you go to, which scholarships you really apply for, because the reality is like if you're racking up like 150,000 for your undergrad and then maybe 70k for your master's program, and, or if you have a doctorate program, you're spending like 120k there. It's like, gosh, you're you're paying like 900 bucks a month for the next 20, 30 years of your life. You don't want to do that. So be strategic. I I went to a pretty cheap Bible school for my undergrad. I graduated debt free because I worked at the same time and paid as I went. 
Um, I have some loans for my master's degree, but my master's degree is 40,000 instead of like the typical 70 to 100,000. So, I mean, that, that had repercussions in the quality of what I got, so, but I did a lot of extracurricular reading. I did a lot of trainings after my degree program, and that's good to know, is that really a degree in psychology is meant to kind of give you the landscape of all the different things available and so that you can be an informed customer, so to speak. And then you go do trainings outside of your master's program uh, to feel like you grow in competency in the things you're interested in. So for me, that was studying things like relational frame theory, acceptance and commitment therapy, functional contextualism, uh, compassion-focused therapy. I did trainings with the Gottman Method. I trained with their team. Um, I've done trainings in motivational interviewing, uh, kind of Rogerian styles of therapy. I've done trainings in trauma-focused CBT. So like, I, I've done a lot of extracurricular trainings where I feel like most of my skill set isn't really from my master's degree. It's from the training and the reading that I did outside of that. But my master's degree really did help me maybe learn how to assess what stuff I wanted to learn. So that's helpful. I don't know if it's like $40,000 helpful, but it got me the license to be a counselor. So, so here I am. Um, that's master's degrees. That's PhDs. Be careful with how much money you spend. You don't want to be in debt forever because you're looking at about in Spokane, uh, a counselor who graduates out of school is looking at about 45,000 to $60,000 a year. And then once you're licensed, let's say you have a good reputation in town, you have a little bit of supply and demand going, you can make like 90 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, if you have a PhD, you can earn about 25 to 50% more. It just kind of depends what insurance panels you're on. Again, how in demand you are. If you're teaching on the side, if you're doing that full time. So, um, a lot of how in demand you are depends on what your specialty is. And so the more specified you are, the, the higher in demand you are for that thing. So you could just be general, like I just work with anxiety and depression, but every counselor does anxiety and depression. But if you maybe specialize in like borderline personality disorder or OCD or, uh, you know, like maladaptive sexual behavior, something kind of more specific, then you can know that you'll have a job because there's only like four of you in your town. And so they got to come to you. So that's good to know. Different if you're in a bigger city, of course. That's some thoughts I have around pursuing a career as far as the educational track goes. Let's talk about TikTok. Let's talk about Let's talk about building content online and YouTube and all that. Um, I wasn't really trying to be strategic and I wasn't trying to follow trends. I wasn't trying to get a bunch of followers. I mean, of course I was trying to get engagement. Like I was making stuff hoping that people would see it, but I, I think I'll tell you what I think I'm up to and why I think it's working. And that's only like 50% helpful because the reality is I probably don't know what I'm doing that's working. <laughs> I, uh, I'm probably doing it subconsciously. And so that's, that's, that's for sure part of it. But here's what I think I'm doing. I think I'm blending, not blending, that's the wrong word. I've done a lot of reading and training in relational frame theory, functional contextualism, which is kind of pretty complex psychological, you know, um, it's a complex psychological, f uh, what's the right now, not field, um, like genre, um, a school of thought, so to speak. And I read the textbooks and then what I'm doing is I'm taking that information, I'm synthesizing that through kind of my own personality and, and then I'm working that out with clients and then when, it, when I see an idea that works with a client, I try to boil that down into an insight that you can either take in a minute like on TikTok or if it's a more complex idea, I, I put it like within a 20 minute talk on YouTube. That's what I'm doing. So there's a lot of people, you know, that's reached out to me maybe like 
18, 16, 20, 22, who want to start maybe talking about their philosophy of life. They want to become a coach. They want to become a therapist. They, they feel like they can help people um, and they, they want to come to me for advice. But the big difference in what I'm doing versus what maybe you're doing or what, what, what someone that does that does, does that does, is these aren't necessarily my ideas. These are, um, these are ideas I kind of took off the top shelf and then I brought them into people's lives and through a process of trial and error and practice, I whittle them down and distill them down into something that I think is valuable and then I present that on an online platform. So these aren't Matthias nuggets of wisdom. These are um, ideally uh, empirically verified and uh, clinically sound ideas that have been in the mix for a long time. And I'm trying to popularize a school of psychology that is fairly not obscure because it's it's a pretty well known like most people know what act is most people know who steve hayes is but uh especially the higher up kind of overarching theory of functional contextualism and relational frame theory it's pretty unapproachable and it's very textbooky it's it's pretty heady and so i think there's work to be done in bringing the insights from that school of thought into kind of the common uh town square so to speak so that's what i feel like i'm up to i feel like i'm synthesizing functional contextualism in popularizing it. Try not to water it down in the process, although I'm afraid I will every once in a while. And I also think that I'm synthesizing things from um, like the existential thinkers, people like Viktor Frankl. Um, I, I really love the Gottman stuff like for couples work. Uh, I love Jordan Peterson. I love his work. Um, I'm trying to then look at those thinkers through the lens of functional contextualism and then letting functional contextualism be almost like an audit or like a filter that certain things Peterson's saying, certain things the Gottmans are saying are coming through and really resonate and align with that. And so then I kind of put that all together and, and present it in a way that I feel like is unique. And so that's something maybe I feel like I'm doing that's original. All that to say, uh, these aren't just pontifications uh, or things that I've learned from my personal experience. These are I've, I've really, really worked hard to come across these ideas and then I'm synthesizing and working on these ideas and working them into something that's hopefully original and helpful for people. So it's a lot of work. So if you want to do something like I'm doing, it involves a lot of homework. It involves a lot of reading. It involves a lot of training from other people, uh, like years and years and years worth. Um, and if you're creating an account as a coach or just someone trying to share life advice, I think that's wonderful. I don't want to feel like I'm patronizing you or like I'm, I'm saying you're wrong or bad to do that. I just think it's going to be helpful for people who are like you. So if you want to expand uh, maybe the reach of your advice and, and the, the content that you're making that you feel like you want to help people with, you have to learn uh, hard theory that's been tested on multiple kinds of people. You, you want to find the truths that resonate with people um, in multiple kinds of demographics and multiple kinds of life experiences. You want to be able to say someone, something to someone that's nothing like you and know that it's going to land and know that it's going to be helpful. And that's, that's a, a skill that you have to work at and it takes a lot of time. So I, that, that's a part of what I think I'm up to on the content side of it. And then on kind of the more strategic or like the implementation, um, I, I put music behind the videos that I think is congruent to what I'm saying that I like, you know, so that's like, I listen to Novo more and that's, he's like my favorite band. So I, I put his music behind it because it really resonates. Um, I have multiple layers and entries. So I have TikTok, which is one minutes. I have Instagram and YouTube. That's like 10 to 17 minutes. 
And, and so if, if someone likes my TikTok content, they'll, they'll like like something that I say for a minute. And then usually there's like a segue into, if you want to know more about this topic, here's a longer version of this. And then I have a large library, a large bank of information. So if people like what I'm doing, they can spend time going through and seeing all the different things that I'm talking about. And, and I talk about things in lots of different domains that so that people can feel like there's something helpful, even if they don't struggle with depression or anxiety, maybe they struggle in their relationship. And so there's something helpful there, you know, so there's diversity in topics. And I think what happens is that people get nervous when they start to get popular because, and they start to look, okay, what are the things that I'm doing that are working and do more of that thing? But then that makes you kind of this one trick pony and that, and what's popular isn't always what actually builds rapport with people. Meaning, you know, there's going to be people who enjoy like the popular stuff that you do. So like for me, like one of my most popular videos is how to fall back in love. And so of course that's going to be helpful. Of course people are, that's going to have wide appeal, but then people see that video and then they go into other videos that are a lot more obscure and a lot more specific and aren't going to get the view count that that video gets, but are helpful and have substance to them. And so I think as a creator, you have to strike this balance of making things that you know will go viral, but also making things that you feel like bring substance to people and are helpful because uh, you want a portfolio worth of content, if that makes sense. And I think the same is true for art and music. Um, that's, a, that's a different conversation though. So don't just make things you think will go viral, make things that you think are helpful. Is there anything else to say? I think we'll keep it there for right now. I have a whole uh, highlight on my Instagram on my camera setup if you like the actual just technical side of what I'm doing. Um, I'll show you how to edit, I'll show you how to do all that. Uh, this is a really satisfying and meaningful thing to get to have the space to talk to you over this medium, over videos, and get to um, talk about life and things that matter to me. I don't take it for granted, not for a second. <laughs>